Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, if you may or may not know, this week was homecoming week for a whole lot of schools around here. If you're on Instagram and Facebook, you see people dressed up, they're going out to their parties, and everyone is looking really, really good. And it brought me back, kind of just thinking about my high school days, and I went back to think about a story of my time, a little bit of a homecoming story. And this begins in my freshman year. My freshman year, I was a little weird. I, uh, I wore black turtlenecks and black Z Cavariccis. Now, if you know what Z Cavariccis are right now, you're part of the greatest generation ever, Gen X. You're welcome out there. But there are these big, kind of poofy black pants that we would wear, and real tight. It was just weird. I, I listened to Depeche Mode here a lot, you know? So that kind of gives the idea of what was going on in my life. I was in this weird phase. And I was at school. And I went to one of the football games before homecoming, and I saw her. She was a little blonde-haired girl with hair. Now, I'm go back old school for people who know. Big, huge, puffy bangs, you know? <coughs> they're about the big, the, I mean, I swear, they're three feet tall, and she was maybe four foot five, right? And big, huge, puffy, over hairsprayed bangs. And I saw her, and she was a cheerleader. Not only was she a cheerleader, she was soft. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go get to know this girl. So I, I kind of mustered up whatever I could, get behind me, and I said, um, hey, would, 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 would you be, because of course I started like an idiot back then. Like, I'm so scared, would you be my, my, my girlfriend? And she's like, okay. Now, let's be clear, that meant I just called her at night. That's all a girlfriend meant. As a freshman in my life, I would call this girl. So, so she was my girlfriend. And what was cool about this relationship Guys, I'm just really dating myself. I want all of my younger friends to understand how cool our life was. That was our text message. And we would write these notes, and we would have all of our notes and what we thought about class, and then we, the best part of these notes is how cool we would fold them, and we'd make them like the box, we'd make them triangles, and sometimes we'd flip them during class and play games and got in trouble. Different story, different day. But this was our text message, and the coolest thing of all is when it said, SWAC on it. S-W-A-K. Now, we had our abbreviation before texting. SWAC was, say it with me, sealed with a kiss. So I got one from Annette. The sophomore cheerleader that said, sealed with a kiss. And I opened this letter up and I started going through it and I was reading. And you know, like when you get these letters, like you're super excited, you know, you're like, and then when they were really boring, you're disappointed. This was not a boring one. This was like, Jason, I've been thinking about you all day. Sweat's boring. <laughs> I want you to know you're such an amazing guy. Super excited. And then the words, I love you. My heart jumped out of my throat to have someone say that to me. So then I pull up, I don't know what class I was in, don't, kids don't listen to me. I don't know what class I wasn't paying attention. I started writing, and I started writing my letter. Oh my goodness, you're the greatest thing ever. I love when you're cheerleading your hair bounces, and the teachers are nodding. I love you too. I was in love. I mean, I've only known her for two weeks, but I was so in love with her. 
And as this love was growing, as I talked on the phone, I passed notes in class, I'm like, this is amazing. How do I capture this feeling for the rest of my life? And so we get to the point of the, of, of the year when homecoming's coming. I'm like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta ask for homecoming. I mean, like, I gotta, I gotta take homecoming, right? So I can go with a sophomore, a freshman, maybe I'll get something that isn't black, I'll dress up a little bit. And so I'm trying to plan, how do I ask her to homecoming? And I see her in the hall, she's passing by, and I see her, and she had a note for me. I'm like, hey, and yeah, like, she, she just didn't kind of look off that day. I'm like, oh, whatever, she's grumpy. And I take the class, and it was the end of class, end of the school day, my last class. I get to class, and I open it up. Now, I want to preface this with this was not my favorite class, and not my favorite teacher. I swear he hated me. Now, I know better now, everybody. Teachers don't hate their students, but I thought he did. I was a freshman boy, worked with me. But I don't think he cared for me much. And so I sat down in this class, I'm being very discreet, because I don't want him to see them opening, because he would make you read the, the note for the entire class, if he caught you. So I open this note and I start reading. Jason, you know, she's saying some stuff and said, I've been thinking, and I read the words, this isn't working out, it's not you, it's me, I want to break up. So here I am, as a freshman boy in the last class of the day, in a class I swear the teacher didn't like me, and, and I, and I'm sitting there, I'm hiding this note, and tears start to well up in my eyes. And, my, and I start <coughs> choking a little bit, and then it came out of me like a floodgate. I was bawling. Not like crying, but like sobbing. <laughs> sobbing, and all my friends turned to look at me like, bro, what is up? And, and I, I didn't know what to say, I was just, weeping uncontrollably. So I put, this is a true story by the way, this is not made up. I put my head down, I'm doing that head bounce, going, ah, ah, ah. now the entire class turns around looking at me and are giggling. This is how we're starting Mosaic Church, let's be honest and real here. I'm sobbing uncontrollably, my head's bouncing, my teacher says, Montana, get your head up right now. Now, I have two options. Either I obey this man, this whole class, see what's happening, or I don't. So with my muffled voice, tears flowing, I go, no! <laughs> I was just escorted out of the class and principals and things like that. We won't, that's not for here. But I will say this, they stopped laughing at me because I wasn't in the room. That's the only way, because my, my sobbing, I couldn't stop sobbing. She said she loved me. And, and in my tender, soft little Jason heart, I could not for the life of me understand, why would this girl say she loved me? And then, three weeks later, say she did. And that started a cycle in my life. Because I heard the word love before. I heard it come from different places. I heard it come from people, different people. I've heard I love you. I've heard I love tacos. I've heard I love what you do. Saying that my value is in my product of what I do, not in who I am. I've heard love in different ways that made it so confusing as a young man. And for our young women out there, it's confusing. What is love? And my story, as you sit with your stories, you have stories of love that are joyous and painful. Stories of I love you that were broken, people you trusted who hurt you, and then ones who did love you with their whole heart and did something that just blew your mind. That it wasn't just a word, but something actually happened in your life that gripped you and transformed you because of love. And this is our dilemma. Our experiences shape our view of love. 
Your experiences that you're sitting in this room with right now are shaping the very way in which you send and receive love. And that's terrible because this whole series is about love. We're starting an eight-week kickoff series about love. And if I say the word love, you have all these different feelings and emotions and thoughts. So how do you really get into this concept of what love really is? We all want it. We all desire it. We're seeking it. We're trying to find it. But what is it? So we're going to dig into the Word of God today because our Greater Love series is to explore something different. If God is love, can we start to look at a new definition of the way that God loves us versus all the pain and hurt from people in our lives? Even the greatest of loves that we've had in our life that have encouraged us and lifted us up come from a concept that is God's, not even our own. And we're going to start today in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. So there's Bibles every other underneath your chairs. If you don't have a Bible, please take that. Um, it's a gift to you that's yours to have. Feel free to grab it. But also, we use the Bible app here quite a bit. If you haven't heard of it, there's a Bible app called YouVersion. You can use your phones, your iPads, whatever. Those are great things as well. Those Bible apps are a tremendous tool to have in your phones and iPads. So if you don't have that, you can download that as well. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. And this is what the word says. This is how we know what love is. There we go. All right. Simple. Uh, thank you for coming. We're going to have some coffee and leave, right? The definition is here for us. This is what we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Let me read this again, because if this is possibly the first time you've heard this passage, or maybe you've heard it before, but haven't really soaked it in through this thought process, think about love. What you're trying to build into your life, what you're seeking, what you're looking to give through this new lens. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and truth. We know love simply by this idea that God did something huge for us. And this love that we're talking about is complete and utter sacrifice. Sacrifice is something we don't like to talk about in our society because it's a very confusing hard word, so I'm going to break it down a little bit for us. In our culture, we are in thinking, how do I build myself up? And then how do I protect myself? And how do I take care of myself? We're very individualistic. The idea of us is that we want to be protected and we're going to take care of us and I don't need anybody. The problem with this, friends, is that you do need people. You need to be loved. It's part of the human condition that God built us for relationship and community. So inside of all of us is this desire for love. So we have this dilemma. In our culture, we say I'd be individualistic. I do me. You do you. I do me. I take care of myself. You take care of yourself. We're on different planets. However, at the same time, you're like, well, I really want everyone to like me. I want everyone to love me. I want everyone to care about me. But I'm going to do myself, but you love me. No, I, it doesn't take rocket science. 
what this is now telling us is that if everyone is taking care of only themselves, how in the world do we love other people? Because you're, we're so worried about our own issues, our own struggles, our own stories, how do I love you? And love, as we see it in the scripture, in its core sacrifice. We have to be willing to give something of ourselves up for the benefits of others. Sacrifice is hard. But it's what Jesus did. His love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. I didn't love that girl. I didn't even know like her favorite color or rock band at that time, right? Which are the questions we asked back then. Yes, I know it's weird. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite music? That's what we knew with people. But I didn't know her. She didn't know me. How could I love? And how could she love? Because there's an intimacy to love. But at the same time, there's a sacrifice to love. Look at a senior citizen couple who've been married for a very long time. How in the world do they make it? For anyone who has been married, are married, or considering marriage, it's hard. It's very, very hard. It's hard because every day when you're in a relationship, you must choose to give yourself up for somebody else. I give up my wants, my desires, my needs for the sake of someone else. I sacrifice. To anyone who's had a child in here, or your aunt, or your grandfather, or grandpa, or grandma, or whatever terms you've been around, children need a lot. And we sacrifice our time, our life, our hobbies. We sacrifice because that's what love is. I mean, do you really think we enjoy sitting at the first graders are gone? First grade soccer in the pouring rain? <laughs> and give up our entire Saturday traveling to different tournaments for you? Do you know why we do it? It's love. Because inside of love, there's a giving up of my desires for somebody else. And so in Jesus, we see something beautiful. He says, This is what love is. I didn't give up my time. I gave up all of heaven. I put that aside. I came to earth to be a human. I was treated terribly, and I put myself on a cross for all of you. Because your sins are so great, you can't do it yourself. I will give my life for you. This is the God of the universe. This isn't Jason sitting at a soccer game. It's the God of the universe. Gave everything for us. That makes us pause, because how often have we thought about giving up everything for somebody else? It's, it's not in our natural DNA. But we move on to the passage, the passage says this, in the same way we're supposed to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, practically, I'm going to assume that there's not going to be a time in our lives when you're going to have to give your life up for somebody. Possibly, right? There's a potential. But in our average American day life in America, there's not a lot of sacrifice of our own lives for others. You don't hear of it as much as just daily interaction. So practically, how could we now sacrifice and lay down our lives for one another? I want to use this word that's going to sting a little bit. That love requires to view others greater than ourselves. Therefore, love requires humility. I have to view you better than me every single day of my life, or I'm going to choose me over you. Just let that sink for a second. 
If you love someone, you in humility choose your needs greater than others' needs greater than your own, so that every single day you make a choice to give yourself up for somebody else. Love requires humility. What's crazy is when we look at people who are prideful and people who are the ones out there like, I got this, and I'm that, money, 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 make it rain, I'm the guy. Nobody likes that guy or girl, right? Yeah. Nobody likes that guy or girl. The guy in your work, the woman who lives next to you, the person in your school, that person, you're like, oh, I hate being around that person. They're so self-centered. They're so judgmental. They're all about themselves. We can go on and on and on. But yet, we don't want to do the hard work at times where I say, I'm going to push myself forward to give to you instead of put myself up. When I could claim the prize, I'm going to hand it to you instead. This is a whole different type of love. In a community of believers, could you imagine a group of people who came together week after week and said something amazing, said, we exist as Mosaic Church. To put everybody in every place in which we live, our work, our families, our communities, we see them greater than ourselves and we will give to the very end because we love them. That's love. That's the type of love, friends, that will transform the world. We say that we want to do something radical. We say that we want to change the world, but are willing to do the hard work because Jesus Christ did it showed us how to do it, gives us the definition, but it's, we say, I don't want to do that because I have to be humble. I have to give myself up. It's hard. I would love to sit here and tell you, I am so awesome at this, but it's not true. I fought with my wife this week. I yelled at my son this week. My needs went greater than their needs this week. I was irritated this week. I was frustrated. You know what irritation is and frustration? You not getting what you want. I was like a baby this week, but then I did good in some things. And I come to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I'm not good at this. And the beauty is because of his death, it's already taken care of. But he says this beautiful thing. I'm with you, right? He's with us. I forgive you, but there's better. There's better, Jason. Because had I not acted that way, I wouldn't have caused the pain I did because in those moments I was not loved. Our world is desperate for this type of love. It's hungry. We call it radical love here at Mosaic. This radical transformative love where we love our community more than we love ourselves. Where we love people outside the church more than we love us even here because we're giving our sacrifice to them. Think about that. If we're walking through the doors, everyone's holding the doors. No one's walking through the doors. No, I'll hold the door. No, I'll hold the door. Like we're that kind of sacrifice. We just want to serve and love in a way that's so different because we believe in the world they will stop and turn and say, what's your deal? Because that's what they did with Jesus Christ. His love didn't just start something new. It started a movement that is still lasting over 2,000 years later and has transformed all of humanity. That's what his type of love does. So I want to take a look at a side verse for a second. Because uh, Paul talks about this in a letter to his church in Philippi. Philippians 2, 3. It'll be up on the screen here. It says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. Looking not to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interests of others. Again, let's just keep soaking in this, this beautiful word here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Could you imagine what that would look like? Practically, our love for others means we are continually finding great value in those around us, and our lives reflect it. If we really believe in love, if we really believe that there's something here, if we believe that God has something unbelievable for us, we not only have to talk about it, we have to understand that there's great value in every human being because God says there is. Everybody, friends. Everybody. It's embarrassing on social media to say, see the things Christians are saying to other Christians. If you're not on social media, don't read it, please don't start. It's terrifying sometimes. That in the name of Christ, that they, they speak hate instead of love. Hate instead of love. Now, this is what I want to say to you. Our love for others doesn't mean that we have to agree with people. Love does not mean agree. I don't agree with everybody. I don't agree with people's life choices. I don't agree. I want to agree with the Word of God. And the Word of God comes in contrast to some things that people live and they believe. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not this message. This message is this. I'm called to love and sacrifice for the sake of Jesus Christ for all the world. My life is a living sacrifice poured out for the sake of all of you. This church was called to being because Jesus was already on the move in Washington County. He just asked us to jump on the ride. And as he jumped on the ride, the story that he's put into our hearts is I want you to spread a movement of radical love that transforms the community and the world. Change the world through love. And the type of love we're talking about is Jesus' love. Not mine. Mine loves tacos and burritos and girls with hairnet spray stuff. That's not love. <laughs> love is sacrifice. Love is humility. If you haven't seen in the news recently, many of you have, but if you haven't, there was Amber Geiger, a police officer, who walked into an apartment building. It was a neighbor's apartment room, and she thought it was her own, and she shot Botham Jean in his living room. His brother took a stand and addressed her and told her that her brother would want her to turn her life over to Christ. And he asked, that she would ask God for forgiveness. He says that, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. And before he does anything else, he asks the judge, I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug? The judge said he could. And then Brandt and Geiger stood up in front of the bench and embraced each other while everybody cried. This is the most viral video, viral story out in our culture right now. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to take a check. Do you know why? Because that's Christ's love. That's it, guys. Christ's love is on display right now for the world to see through the story of this young man whose brother was shot in every right way. He should hate her, dismiss her, scream at her, attack her, destroy her, and all those things. And you say, well, you have a right to do that. She took your brother. It was racially charged. All these things out there. And he stands in front of the world and says... I want you to find Jesus Christ. Who does that? A man who really believes this. 
that man has been a display of Christianity like no one has seen. The next day on the TV show, The View, <laughs> I, hear, I hear the groans. On The View, Whoopi Goldberg is one of the hosts. And they had this, uh, they show this clip. At the end of it, she sat there stunned. And this is what she said. Now that is a Christian. That's a Christian. How many people call themselves that but allow other things to go on? On national television, Whoopi Colbert proclaimed that's the love of Christ on display for the world. And though so she didn't say this, but I could read through the lines, I'd be willing to be part of that. Friends, that's love. That is what I would be willing to give my life for. That's the type of love that changes the world. Because then this passage moves on and beautifully says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Because think about this. If you're sacrificial and you're humble, and you're pouring your life out for others, and you see somebody who has a great need, it's not making sense anymore, does it? You're like, oh, sucks to be poor, man. I'm going to go get in my ride and leave. That's not, it doesn't make any sense. Because when this love of God is in you, you sacrifice in every way possible. Say, brother, sister, you have some needs. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. How can we as believers sit while people are starving to death, hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ, hungry for food, for spiritual food, hungry for needs, hungry for love, and walk by day after day like, I'm good. I got it. Because not only is this love sacrificial and humble, this love gives. It is generous giving. It sees the world as its place for them to love and to give. Material possessions, things, people who are hungry, people who are in need. It makes sense. Again, you think humility. You think sacrifice. Why wouldn't I? But I love this as he ties it up. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Talk is unbelievably cheap. Yes, words can be encouraging. Words can be giving. Words can give us encouragement. I'm not saying don't use words. Guys, you know, I just want to be clear. Say the words I love you. They're powerful words. I'm not saying don't speak words. But friends, if you say this, but don't do this, it's not love. If you say you love someone but don't sacrifice for them, it's not love. If you say you love someone but you are proud and you push a person below you, that's not love. If you say you love someone but you're not willing to give to them when they are in need, that's not love. We believe in a loving God. We believe that He is the one. But have you ever wondered why, if this is true, that churches across America have stopped giving, loving, caring that new nonprofit organizations have risen up to take care of the hurting people of, the, of, our, of our counties? Isn't that the church's job? Like if the love of Christ is in us, should our focus not be on giving love out into the world? Have we decided at some point that a gathering on Sunday morning is the pinnacle of our week and therefore Monday through Saturday doesn't matter? I wonder, friends, that if we were this sacrificial with this type of love, would there need to be a nonprofit charity? 
Like we would be the ones giving, we would be the ones sacrificing. We, it would be us, guys. It would be us. It should be the believers of Jesus Christ who say, I want to give everything I have. Because if it's just in words, and dare I say, if it's just on Sunday morning, it's just walking. We gather on Sundays to scatter for Monday. We have a saying here. We say Sundays for Mondays. This is the day that we want to come, put all of our, our pain, our baggage aside for us, and just worship God and thank Him. Bring our baggage to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to give it to you. Take all of that just for a day, for an hour out of our day, and just worship our God and give Him thanks and come together and laugh and smile and drink amazing coffee and do all these things in community. But I know that you know, as soon as you drive out of here, the real world hits. Sundays for Mondays. We are here so that on Monday, may this message that just hit you today, hopefully encouraged you, challenged you, set you on fire for tomorrow when you look at your neighbors, your coworkers. The person you don't like, even her, gotta love her. Gotta love her. Because talk is cheap. Let's not love with words or tongue, but in actions and truth. So if we really want to love, you have to make a decision. Love is a decision. What does it look like? Sacrifice every day. Your desires, your wants, your needs. You push others above your own. Humility. You see others greater than yourselves. Giving and open-handed and being willing to pour love into the world. Why do we do this? Because the world is desperate for it. And Jesus chose us to do it. We are the catalyst of love. We are the ones that are called to love humanity, to bring the gospel of hope into the world, and to care for those who are in need. So let's ask the simple question. You can drive it down into your heart and walk out of here. Something resounding. Those who are on Twitter, the thing you're going to tweet, hashtag love is sad. Love is sacrifice because Jesus Christ first did for us. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com. <laughs>